0: Hello and welcome to the Rocky Peak Young Adults Podcast. We meet Sunday nights at 730 at the church at Rocky Peak. For info on upcoming events, find us on Instagram at RP Young Adults. Enjoy the message. Woo! All right. Good evening. RPYA, my name is Tim. Sebastian, I'm a. am actually our high school pastor here. Um, if it's your first time or you're relatively new, Kelly McCoy is our Young Adults Pastor. He is off gallivanting around for his, uh, his birthday, which is today. And so we are all celebrating by digging into God's Word, which is what we're going to be doing in a moment. Uh, but first, before we do that, I'm curious uh, about that the Christmas movies, right? What, what are your favorite Christmas movies? Home Alone, Elf, Home Alone. Elf? Elf. Elf is a terrible movie. I don't, I don't see how anyone likes it. My favorite Christmas movie, the best Christmas movie of all time is Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Talk about a quality film, right? It should be studied for years to come. What other movies have lines such as uh "Put the cookie down now." Right? That's I don't even do that good of a of a Arnold Schwarzenegger, but it's just fun to say. I appreciate that, David. All right. Um, I'm going to pray. And we're going to jump into our series, Relationology. Uh, fun fact, when I first saw the slide, I was like, well, they're missing all the, all the little colorful dots. And then when the bumper started rolling, I was like, oh, how fun. Um, <laughs> friends, it's so cool. Uh, and old. All right. I'm going to stop uh, ad-libbing and... Uh, I'm going to pray and actually get into what we have planned tonight. Jesus, uh, I pray, Lord, that you would meet us here. Uh, God, would you be, would you be present? Uh, would you be in the room? God, would you be uh, in our hearts? Would you be pulling things out of us that you have put there? God, would you be opening our eyes to your vision on how to, le- uh, how to live uh, the life that you've given us? Uh, Jesus, as we talk about uh, an area of life that is oftentimes uh, cloudy and difficult to navigate, Lord, I, I pray that as we look at your word and your wisdom, God, would it be like a, a bright, shining light pointing us uh, the way to go? Uh, God, would the, what's written, God, in the Bible, that, that your words are a light into our our, our feet, God, opening up the, the path forward. God, I pray that that would be true. Uh, Would you show us, God, how it is that we can live and and navigate this difficult area of dating better? In Jesus' name, amen. And so we're in a series uh, in YA called Relationology, uh, which is a made-up word. Uh, But what we are doing is we are are studying relationships. How can we be doing relationships better? Uh, Because I don't know if you guys have noticed relationships are hard uh whether they're they friendships relationships with our parents or especially romantic relationships there are a lot of ways that we can make a wrong turn uh, and so we want to be people who learn how to do that better we want to be learning from God's wisdom on how to have healthy life-giving balanced relationships and so last week Kelly uh kicked off the series uh talking about right yes All right, cool. All right, good. I've got my notes right. Uh, He kicked off the series talking about avoiding dating mistakes. And so today, we're even going to take a a slight step back from the idea of making a mistake when you're in a relationship. And we're just going to talk about the idea of being people who are dateable, right? And so that, that can apply... To all of us, whether, whether we're in a relationship or not, whether we hope to be in a um, romantic relationship one day, maybe in the future, uh, or whether we just wanna be good at relationships in general, we wanna be the kind of people who can excel in the area of dating. We wanna be the kind of people that would benefit someone else to call their boyfriend or girlfriend, right? We don't wanna be the kind of person who's dragging someone down destined towards a real messy breakup. Uh, we wanna be the kind of people who are ready to do relationships in a way that is life giving and good, right? Because all of us can use help when it comes to dating. Dating is hard. It's not easy. Um, I'm married now. Uh, I've been off the market for eight and a half years, uh, and it is only only by God's work. It is literally a miracle. I was absolutely awful at dating. There is. Nothing in me that qualifies me to be up here giving you guys dating relationship <laughs> advice. Uh, there is just nothing that I probably did right at all. Uh, and really, what we should do is we should have my wife here with me to explain all the things I did wrong, and you guys could be learning from that. And so today, unfortunately, she's with the kids. It's, it's heartbreaking. It's so sad. Uh, it's really because uh, babysitting is expensive, and if any of you want to babysit for free, uh, just let me know. Um, but today, we're going to be looking at God's wisdom and what it is that he says, and we're going to be opening up his word. And so we're going to be learning a lot from what God says with a little sprinkling of my mistakes mixed in there. Uh, we're going to be looking at four areas, four ways that we can be the people who are set up to do relationships well, right? And so this, this is good for any of us in the room who are either in a relationship or just want to be in a relationship. How can we be the type of people who are dateable? And so I want to start today off with uh, talking about a time that I uh, ended up on a date by accident. Uh, and so it was actually while I was uh, in this ministry, uh, while I was in our, our young adult ministry here at the church. Um, it was a few years back. We won't talk about how far. Um, <laughs> And uh, I, was, I was pretty plugged into the church, right? So I was uh, interning at the church at the time. I actually lived uh, in the house where uh, Curtis and Nick, right? You guys were living in the intern house? <laughs> I was living in that house at the time. Um, I, you know, was slowly making my way up. I had actually, between uh, high school and college, I had lost something like 50 pounds, and I had found a sense of humor, and so my stock was on the rise. Um, <laughs> It was a good time to be Tim compared to high school which was a rough time to be Tim. Um and uh it was uh you know it, that was it was that season I was starting to get to know people and there was one day after a church event uh we all, like we all, like 20 of us, went out uh, to some Italian restaurant in the valley. I don't even remember which one it was at the time. We're all sitting on the patio, right? And you've ever gone with a large group, right? It's just that big, giant table. And as it happens to be, uh, some of the people there I know really well. Some of them I kind of know, and there's people there who I've never met before. And so I ended up sitting down next to someone who I'd never met, and we were chatting for a while, and she was pretty new to the group. Uh, And so she was pretty new in general, and everyone was getting to to know her. And uh, I just Wanted to be a nice person, and so we're just talking and hanging out. Um, And at the time, I had just recently purchased my second car. My first car, everyone's first car, well, not everyone, but my first car, was definitely nothing to be happy about. Uh, But my second car was a 1996 black Mustang GT with a V8 manual transmission convertible with the roll bar and added pieces. Uh, like added body pieces, it, has, it had the exhaust done, it had the transmission done, it had headers on it. It was sweet. It had also like 140,000 miles and it had been keyed, but you couldn't tell in the dark. And so it was simultaneously both a beast and a piece at the same time. It was, It was awesome, but I was stoked for it. The thing had a ton of raw power and could do donuts like no one's business. And so I was all about this car. I had just recently got it. And so most of our conversation as I was sitting down Next to this, uh, to this young woman, we were just talking mostly about my car because that's what I was super excited about. Uh, and she was getting to know everyone, and so she got a bunch of numbers from people at the table. And so, you know, I, I wanted her to be included in the the community. I gave her her mine too. Uh, she seemed like a fun person, and I was excited to have a friendship with her. And one of the things that we talked about, she's like, "Oh man, I'd love to take a ride in the car." And I had been giving everybody and their mom and my mom and I'm pretty sure my mom's mom uh, a ride in this car. And so I was like, "Yeah, sure, let's do it." And so I go and I pick her up at her dorm at CSUN, and we spend most of the time just kind of driving around. We go do donuts somewhere. We uh, we go and just, we, right, we just drove around in the car. And as you do when you drive, you talk, um, which is what I did with everyone that had given a ride in the car. And uh, then we went and, uh, right, no, I don't pick someone up and be like, shh, it's a V8, right? <laughs> And we we drove around, and then uh, some of our friends were hanging out at the, the Northridge Mall, and so we went and hung out with some people at the mall, and then we all went back to a dorm room, and we're sitting around talking, and then all of a sudden, we're sitting there. Uh, Joey, I'm going to embarrass you supremely, but not as much as I was embarrassed. Can you come up and sit right here? Thank you. And so uh, we're we're hanging out, and we're talking. And I need you to put your, your leg up on, like, the, the high... Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, I know. This it's exciting, and so we're talking, and she's we're both sitting on the ground, right? And she, she's uh, sitting next to me. We're all talking, and she starts doing this on my knee. And it was at that moment, my eyes bug out. You can take a seat, thank you. <laughs> my eyes bug out, and I'm like, I'm on a date. <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm like, oh no! And I was like, she's, she's definitely. Okay, she's interested in me, and I've given her no reason to think that I'm not interested in her. Like, all, everything is, like, clicking into place. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what have I done? Um, and so then at that point, I had to figure out what I was going to do then, right? The answer was, like, get up, make an excuse to leave, and then sort of slowly distance myself from her. Like I said, I'm not good at this relationship thing. That's not, we're learning from my mistakes, not what you should do. Um, And so that leads me into our first point. If you want to be someone who is dateable, you need to be someone who can communicate clearly. You need to be able to communicate clearly. And so I found myself in a very awkward situation, and then I didn't help anything in the way that I then treated it, right? Because the intentions weren't really clearly stated until, you know, a little bit later. Um, And that, that... It leads to an awkward situation, right? But that's something that we see all over the place in dating, right? I I doubt that I'm the only one in the room who has a story about unclear communication when it comes to being romantically interested in someone, right? You may have found yourself in a situation where you're like, oh, wait, they like me? Or you may have found yourself in a place where you're trying to express your feelings for someone or trying to find the right words to say what it is that you're trying to say and kind of come up at a loss. And so when it comes to communication, I think there are two reasons that we can be bad at it. And I think the first reason that we're bad is that sometimes we're just lacking skill, right? Sometimes we're just not great at communicating. Um, Good communication takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of practice. And we have to work to try to make sure that the words that we're saying are heard by someone else and picked up the same way. But I think the other reason that sometimes we're bad at communicating is because it benefits us to leave things fuzzy. It benefits us to communicate in a fuzzy way. And so let me illustrate it with a, a totally hypothetical circumstance, but that probably is uh, kind of related to uh, things that many of us in the room have gone through. Um, and so I've got our hypothetical, hypoth- hypothetical uh, man. We'll call him Johnny for no particular reason. Um, <laughs> And no, no, not the same Johnny. Uh, And, uh, right. So Johnny's been hanging out, uh, in a, in a group of people and he finds, you know, there's a a young woman that's also part of the, the group of people he's hanging out with. And he's kind of interested in her and kind of wants to take things further. And so he approaches her and he says like, Hey, would you, uh, would you like to hang out sometime maybe and like get ice cream and see a movie or something, you know, real clear like that. And, uh. And she, you know, a, a thousand things go through her mind, right? Like, wait, is this, like, hangout? Does hangout equal date? Does hangout mean be friends? Is this going to be a group thing? Are there going to be lots of people there? Who's paying? Am I paying? Is he going to pay? Right? And so she, all those things in a millisecond fly through her head, and she's just like, uh sure, right? A real clear yes with a sure. Why not? Um, and so the time comes, and no one is yet really sure what's going on. The time comes, he shows up, he's dressed kind of nice, he's picking her up, all of these things are leaning towards maybe it really is a date, and then they get to the, uh, the ice cream place, it's just the two of them, he pays, he mentions that he's already bought the tickets, right, it's really seeming like a date now, they show up, and like five of his friends are there, which is an odd number, and uh, now they're hanging out, and it's like, now, what's going on? And then he, so she's a little put off by there being other people there. And Johnny, definitely not the same Johnny. Um, this, this really isn't a story from Johnny's life. I just like to pick on Johnny. Um, when you have a mustache like that, you, you get picked on. That's how it goes. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, right, they show up. She's a little taken aback, so she's a little a little slow to respond to things that are going on. And then he spends most of the time talking to other people, not really talking with her. And she ends up having someone else drive her home and no one really knows what's going on. Uh, But if we were to roll it back and sort of look in his thought process, he's thinking, well, I kind of like this girl, but I also am freaked out about being rejected. And so instead of asking her directly on a date, I've got a master plan. I'm going to ask her to hang out. We'll do some stuff. I'll sort of buy some stuff to let her know that I'm interested, uh, but also we'll do it in a group so that there's more people there. And that gives a little flexibility. And after like two or three of these hangouts, then we'll, uh, we'll sit down and we'll have a define the relationship talk about this uh, dating relationship that I've backdoored her into and she'll be stuck. It's foolproof. Um, <laughs> and there are these times where, where we feel like we can, by communicating in a way that leaves ambiguity, that leaves openness, that lets it be fuzzy, we feel like we're trying to limit our exposure to being hurt by keeping some of the power, right? By letting the, not letting the other person know fully where we're at. So we always have plausible deniability, right? But if, they, if it seems to be that they're not interested, then we can kind of take a step back and be like, oh, that's fine, I just want to be friends anyway. Totally. Uh, and that, while it seems like it'll work out for us, rarely ever does. And so God's word kind of has some wisdom for us on how it is that we are to use our words and relationships that that we're in with people. Whether they're dating relationships or just everyday relationships that we're in with others. And the verses, the first verse that I want to look at is in Matthew chapter five. And it's uh, chapter five, verse 37, where Jesus says, uh, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this, comes from evil, right? Let what you say be yes or no. Be simple in the words that you are saying to people. And if you're asking someone to go on a date, ask them to go on a date. If someone asks you out and you don't want to go, let your no be a no and not a, well, right now's not a good time or Right now I'm, right, the, the video that we're watching, the funny video, like, right now I'm, I'm dating Jesus, right? Or, or I'm, ta- I'm just taking a, some time off from dating right now until I meet someone who's not you. Um, that's always the subtext. I learned that the hard way. Uh, I wish I had time to share that story. Um, you want to hear it later? Yeah. We can talk about that later. Uh, and so you, Jesus is saying we, we want our words to mean what they mean. In Colossians 3, 9, it says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices. That's the old way of living, is to, to lie, to hold back information, to say things that are false or not fully true, to maintain power, to maintain an advantage. That's the old way of doing things. That's a part of the broken system of the world. That's not the life that Jesus calls us into. We're to speak What we mean in ephesians 4 25, it says therefore having put away falsehood Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor For we are members of one another Right, jesus says that god's that living god's vision for our lives That how we ought to be in relationships is that we should be people of integrity who say what we mean That the words we say are the words that we mean sometimes we're just bad at that, right? sometimes I'm talking with my wife, and I'm trying to communicate something, and I communicate it terribly, right? And it's not intentional, and it's not a part of what I mean to do, and I still get in trouble for it, right? And that's just a part of how relationships go. Uh, That's a part of being a human being, trying to communicate with someone else. So sometimes just our words don't match up. But there are other times where we're tempted to be unclear or to leave ambiguity or to straight-up lie to someone because it, it makes us uncomfortable or we're worried about making them uncomfortable. But if we want to live better lives, if we want to have better dating relationships and just better relationships with each other in general, we'll take the hit up front and be truthful and let things fall where they're going to be, right? Because the truth is, gentlemen in the room, if you're trying to ask a, a girl out and you're trying to do the whole like, hey, you want to— Hang out for coffee, maybe sometime after class, and what you really mean is like i'm going to like monopolize your time for three hours and like find out your whole life story and my whole life story to figure out if we're compatible with one another um, that's called a date not hanging out, and so say like hey, I'm interested in you, and I want to hang out because uh, you maneuvering your way into a couple of hangouts and then hopefully like she ma- falls madly in love with you that's not going to change anything radically. Uh, Ask her on a date. If she says no, it's better to get a no now than investing three weeks to six years of your life into it and then finding out that it's—I'm just saying, sometimes it takes a while to hash it out. Uh, be upfront, right? Take the no if it comes. Take the, take the yes, right? And a yes to go on a date is not the same thing as a yes to grow old with you, um, and so it it's okay to just ask someone, right, on a straight up date and get the answer up front. And then the same thing, if you get asked out, right, give a give a real answer, right? If you don't if you don't see any future with the person, it's okay to say no, right? It's you might feel like you're saving them some like hurt by going uh on like two or three dates with them and then saying no or by coming up with a an excuse or a reason, or like, oh, I'm fasting from dating for for 30 days, or I just, like, don't really, that was said to me, yeah. Uh, What should I have heard? No, I'm not interested. What did I hear? Start the countdown. Um, Yeah, I'm not married to her, and that's okay. Um, That's just, right, that's, be, the more open you can be, the more pain you save yourself the more truthful you can be and the more pain that you save other people in the long run. If you want to be someone who's dateable, practice communicating clearly now, right? You might not be in a romantic relationship, but with your parents, communicate clearly. With your friends, communicate clearly. With your boss at work, communicate clearly and honestly and with integrity. And what God says is that as we strive to live the life that he has said that we should live, that he will bless them, right? It might be scary, To speak honestly and truthfully with people. But when we do it, out of kindness and in love, right? Not being, some people take the whole like, I'm just being truthful. And so I'm going to be blunt about everything. Um, But if we're kind but truthful, then God honors that. Even when it feels like we're giving up some power in order to speak the truth. The second area, right, so being dateable means having integrity. The second thing that being dateable, uh, that we should be, if we want to be dateable, is that we should be people who pursue purity. We should be people who pursue purity. Now, I know it's the pastorally thing to do, to use alliteration and just pick a couple words that have Ps up there, right, and just be like, pursue purity, right? I, I didn't use the two words to, to connect with each other. I didn't use pursue just because it starts with This is an intentional word. We want to be pursuing, running after the idea of sexual purity in our life, not just hoping that it happens. Through Jesus, God has done something amazing, and he has welcomed us into a relationship with himself. And as a part of doing that, as a part of accepting us exactly how we are, in Ezekiel it says that he takes our old hard hearts, our hearts that were hard to him, that didn't want anything to do with him, that he's swapped that out for a heart that is soft to him. Where he says he's written his laws on our heart, that no longer are his laws something external that we need to follow. Instead, he has changed our heart to love the things that he loves. He wants to to change us to be people who see the world, who see people, who see purpose, who see all of creation, who see ourselves the way that he does. And so he is changing our perspective on life and how it's to be lived. And one of the perspective changes that should be happening in our life is that it changes how we view how we view sexuality and I, I wish this was just a message on uh, on biblical sexuality because there is so much to say it really could be its own series because of how different it is compared to how we are naturally wired and how different it is compared to the the narrative uh, in our culture and in cultures all around the world but the Bible lays out pretty clearly that all sexual activity is created to be a part of a committed marriage between a man and a woman. And so the the passage that I want to share that speaks to that tonight, and there's a lot more to that. And if you want to talk about that, if you want to push back against that, if you want to yell at me about that, I would love to talk afterwards about any of these things that we're talking about. Any of these four issues could be its own message in its own right. And so if you have any questions that you want to walk through, I would love to talk afterwards about it. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, This is what it says. In fact, if you guys have your Bibles with you, or just have a smartphone that can Google, uh, why don't you pull up 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to be looking in the the NIV translation, but you can look at it uh, in whichever translation you find kind of speaks to you the most. Um, 1 Thessalonians 4, starting in verse 3, says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Sanctified is a weird word, right? When I describe things in my life, I don't really be like, man, this 96 black on black on black Mustang convertible is sanctified, right? That's not really, that's not how we talk. Uh, sanctified is the, the biblical word for being transformed, for the transformation that happens in our life. When you come to Jesus and you accept him as your king and you accept his forgiveness and he wipes away all the wrong that you've done and all the wrong that you've ever done, He gives you his righteousness. And now where where God used to see you and he would have seen all of the ways that you've rebelled against him, once you come to Jesus, instead God sees Christ's righteousness. You become righteous in that moment, in your identity, at your core, that's who you are. But in addition to receiving that righteousness, then God works out a process in our life where he transforms us to live in that righteousness. He transforms us to become people who are holy, not just in the core identity of our being, but in who we are and how we live. And that idea, that biblical idea, is the idea of being sanctified. Literally, in that original language, it's becoming a saint. Right? That God's vision isn't that there would be a few select Christians who are like really, really good, and that they would be saints but that each one of us, that he welcomes us into a relationship where he says, be holy as I am holy, which is not a bar that we have to jump, but it's an invitation to be more than we ever thought we could be. That he's inviting us to be like him at the core of our character. And so it says, it's God's will. What he wants for you is that you should be sanctified. And so then it starts to define that you that you should avoid sexual immorality the word in the greek the original language it was written in not just because greek is an interesting language uh the word it was originally that was originally written there is the word pornea uh which really just means like anything sexual right if you think it and it's like gets you a little kind of hot under the collar that's probably pornea right like if it's if it's a little bit sexual it falls under that umbrella So the idea of sexual immorality isn't just like, it's not just intercourse, it's not just a small list of things, it's anything in that sphere of sexuality. That you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Not in passionate lust like the pagans who don't know God. And that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins, as we told you and warned you before. And you're like, wait, Tim. I like thought you say when we come to Jesus and we ask for his forgiveness, that he forgives us. And he sees Christ's righteousness and that, that no longer is our standing before God dependent on what we do. And that still is really true. But we also know that, that it says that God, he disciplines those that he loves. Right, so a part of his transformation process is that sometimes when we walk away from him, when we uh, reject his way of living, he lets us experience the earthly consequences of that. And he, he sometimes even will frustrate those things even more than before we came to know him. Right? There are countless stories of people living in all kinds of sin before they come to Jesus. They come to him, they repent, they turn from that stuff, and then they have a season in the la- their life where they turn back to it. And all of a sudden, the things that used to satisfy them before they came to Jesus now are just it just hurts more and is more frustrating and leads to more anger and more damage in their life than it even did before. And a part of that is God trying to get our attention to come back to him. And so that's what it's talking about here. It says, the, the Lord will punish those who commit such sins. As we told you and we warned you before, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. And I think many of us, when we come to a verse like that, what we hear is, God didn't call us to be happy. He called us to be boring, right? That's where we're like, oh, God didn't call you to live a life of fun. He called you to live a life of piety. It's saying God didn't call you to live a life. The idea of impurity here is a life of brokenness, a life that leads to damage, a life that leads to broken relationships, that God called you to be like him. That God called you to be transformed. He called you for something more, something bigger, than to live the way the world lives. And therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction doesn't reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you the Holy Spirit. And so once we're convinced that God's vision for human flourishing means that we need to be people who are sexually pure, who save sexual activity, for a loving, committed marriage, that once we become convinced of that, which I know that just reading that passage for many of us in the room may not be enough to convince us, and that's okay. It takes sometimes some time for God to rewire the way that we see things, and so I want to encourage you just to seek out more what he has written and what he has said about how this is to be lived. But once we come to that place, which I know many of us here, we've already submitted our lives to Christ and we want to live in the way that he is revealed. That once we come to the place that we believe that he is the path to life, that he knows how things are to be lived, that he's got a better idea of what human flourishing looks like than, than I do, then that means that we need to look at how we're gonna respond to that. If we believe that he knows what's right, how is it that we're gonna respond? When I was growing up, we had two dogs. Uh, the first dog that we ever got as a family, we were so excited to get a dog. We got a, uh, a little uh, oh, a little Shetland sheepdog, right? So it was like a miniature collie, um, like a miniature lassie. Uh, and her name was Sandy, and she was a, like a rescue dog. She came from a shelter. And so we loved Sandy. Uh, Sandy barked a lot. She ran a lot. She was a handful. It was interesting. But there were times when uh, whenever there was like an inch that the door was open, the front door was open. Sandy would bolt. Right there, it was like a, a weekly, maybe even daily thing, where we we're running down the block trying to chase the dog because part of it is that she's a rescue, and so it's just they they tend to do that running thing. And she was always bolting all the time. If the gate was left open, she was gone. If the front door was open a little bit, gone. People were coming over, and we forgot to put her in a different room, gone. Uh, I have distinct memories of my dad, who's. That six, four and a half lanky man that he is running down and just tackling this little tiny dog in the neighbor's front yard. Um, and so Sandy was always, boom, bolting, gone. Wanted to be somewhere else. And then our, our, the second dog that we got was a, a golden retriever named Fred. I didn't name either of these dogs, but those were the names. And so <laughs> I, I protested. But, uh, and then we had Fred. And Fred just loved to be with anybody. Fred, he was just, he was a lover. He was excited to be with you. He wanted to be with you. And there would be times you're going out to get the mail. You just let walk, like let him walk with you, right, and just go back. There were times we'd come home, the gate's open, Fred's just still chilling in the backyard. Uh, you could do anything you want. It was like night and day. We got so used to it with Sandy where we were like having to guard everything, and then just Fred was just chilling. And so, and the, these two different dogs, like, we would come home, and Sandy's, like, her whole snout would be stuffed through the fence on the side, trying to get to wherever, like, as close to out there as she could get. And Fred would just be chilling, maybe holding his ball, and like, you want to throw it? <laughs> you want to throw it, right? He's just hanging out. And that's because they, they had very different ideas of where they wanted to be. All right? Sandy was convinced that the best thing for her was out there somewhere, was out somewhere else other than where she was. Fred, on the other hand, was convinced that the best place that he could be was right there by your side. And so when we talk about the idea of purity, it really comes down to not what it is we do, right? And that's a good indication, maybe, of what's going on deeper. But it's not about what we do as much as it is about where our heart is. What is it that we believe, right? Do we believe that God just wants to limit us? and place rules on our life and the best stuff of life is out there past the boundary? Or is the best stuff where God has us? Is he a God who is protecting us and trying to show us the best way to live and who wants us to flourish and who wants to protect our futures and to protect our future relationships and to protect the other people that we might become entangled with? Or is he a God who has arbitrary rules and enjoys making us jump through hoops? Because what you believe is going to change how you approach this idea of purity. Either purity becomes a weight on your shoulder, a heavy weight where you're trying to keep yourself from doing what you deep down really want to do, or it becomes something that you can pursue and grow in and even learn to love, even if there are times when a part of who you are pulls you in a different direction. And so that means if we're single and we're striving to be someone who is dateable and we want to be pursuing purity, it means that we don't just draw the line at whether or not we looked at porn today, right? As if every 24 hours without porn is 24 hours of purity. Um, Instead, we're passionately asking God to rewrite our hearts so that we see people differently. Not as objects to bring us pleasure, but as valuable people made in God's image, right? They're either brothers and sisters in Christ or people who are in desperate need of a relationship with Jesus. When our heart is breaking for other people, then the drive to help support the system that exploits them with views and clicks is a lot lower, right? When you're sitting there and you're getting ready to pull up a video and all of a sudden you start thinking about how like, Those people, like this is how they earn their living and they're a part of a system that tells them that this is the way that they're the most valuable and they can get the most out of life and that they're probably like deeply hurting and they're at a greater risk for for suicide and uh, and as well as getting diseases. And all of a sudden you start thinking of all the brokenness in their life and how they'd be so much better off if they knew that there was a God who loved them unconditionally and wanted to show them his passionate love for them and had a vision for their life. It's kind of a mood killer, (laughs) not gonna lie. And that kind of change doesn't happen when we try to just put up physical limitations on what we're going to do. It happens when we let God rewrite our heart. When we strive to see others as God sees them. Instead of simply putting limits on our lust, that's when we start to pursue purity. And it goes for our dating relationships too, right? It means that, that we don't try to just get away with whatever we can. We don't ask the question of like, okay, well, how far is too far? What really constitutes sexual immorality? Like, if I do this, is that bad? If I do this, is that where the line is? Like, is it like... Is it when my, like my heartbeat is raised? Is it when I get flushed? Is it like when this thing happens? Is it just like certain areas you can't touch, right? And all these questions that you want to, like, you want to define exactly what a, a boundary should or shouldn't be and what should or shouldn't happen, right? Instead, we're seeking to respect our boyfriend or our girlfriend and God's future plans for them. And we seek to honor God in how we interact with people in every circumstance, Right, when we're seeking to make every single time we interact with a human being a time where God is honored, then it becomes a, a little bit easier to not worry always about where the, the boundary lines are drawn. Instead of trying to see how close we can get to the fence and where we can get a little crack in there and how we can get like through some, to some of that life that's out there, when we're seeking to find God's good in our current circumstance, that's when we can begin pursuing purity instead of of just trying to limit ourselves and wear this heavy weight. And so if we want to be people who are dateable, it means that we become people who have a heart like God's heart, who see people like God sees them. We've got two more areas uh, to talk about, and we have negative 55 seconds. Um, If we want to be people who are dateable, that means that we, we want to be people who live with purpose. We want to live with purpose. In Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10, it talks about how God has, has saved us, and it's not by anything that we've done. It's not by any works that we have done. that He saved us simply because he loved us and through the work of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 10, it says, but he saved us because he has works for us to do. That he has things that he has picked for us to do from before time. That he has ways that he wants to use you in this world that he doesn't have planned for anyone else. He's got good things, ways for you to represent him in this world that desperately needs representatives of a loving, kind, amazing God. He has ways that he wants to use you. And we should be people who are living to try to find that purpose, right? We should be looking for how it is that God has made us, how it is that we can be living in that that vision, how we can be a part of his movement, what role we have to play today, how we can be his image bearers, how we can bring his kingdom into the world. And that means that that when we start to see our life that way, that our whole life has purpose in God, that our, our purpose doesn't start uh, when we're in a relationship, our purpose doesn't start when we've graduated. Our purpose doesn't start when we've moved out of mom and dad's house or when we become financially independent. At least I hope it doesn't when we become financially independent because all of us in this room might be lost the way the world's heading. Uh, that your purpose starts today. Your purpose started the, the day you gave your life to Christ. God had a new purpose that he wanted to work out in your life. And when we begin to catch a glimpse of that vision that God has for us and dating instead of becoming the purpose in our life or becoming a way that we're gonna achieve things in our life, instead it slots into what God's purpose is. It brings it into perspective. And it lets us view dating as a part of God's greater story that he's telling in our life. Right? That, that who we're dating right now may not be who it is that we end up with. And when we have a, a greater idea that God has a story he wants to tell in our life, that gives us maybe a little bit of patience with that. That it lets us look at our dating relationships, and instead of treating it as like, well, I'm just dating for fun, or I'm just dating so I have someone to be with, or I'm just dating because I like can't stand to be alone, or I'm just dating because I've always dated, or I'm just dating because this is the first time anyone's ever wanted to date me, uh, whatever the thing is that, Instead, we start seeing, it's like, okay, dating has a a purpose. In our culture today, dating is how we move towards marriage. And marriage is something that God has set up to be good. Not necessarily ordained for everyone, that there's plenty of good that can be done in singleness as well. And that dating just becomes one of the things that might be a part of God's purpose for our life. And then when we find ourselves in a dating relationship, we're reminded that the purpose of being in a dating relationship isn't just to be a boyfriend or to be a girlfriend or to have a girlfriend or to have a boyfriend that the, the purpose becomes to move towards marriage and so then we even begin looking at our dating relationship with purpose and with intentionality and that means that we do things like practicing like healthy marriage habits in our dating relationship right that means that we look to love the other person in a way that is is sacrificial that looks out for their good before our own good because we know that's what God has called husbands and wives to do once they become married. Because we're not going to magically like go from dating someone selfishly to like now we're married and now I love you selflessly. Like magically putting a ring on and standing in front of 100 to 3,000 of my closest friends has magically changed my heart. And now I don't care about myself anymore. Uh, that That if we want to be people who can live out God's vision for marriage one day. We need to be people who practice that in how we live. And so that means that we become people who, who look to love others selflessly instead of receive their love selfishly. And it also means that respect needs to be a big part of our relationships, right? So the two centerpieces of a marriage, biblically, are that a husband and wife would love each other and put the other person first and that a husband and wife would respect each other. So that means that we want to be people who are respectable, right? That if, if we're not worthy of respect, that's probably not a great sign that we should be in a relationship right now. Um, but also that means that when we're dating someone, if you're dating someone that you can't respect, that's probably not a good sign. <laughs> if someone asks you out that and there's someone you don't respect, that's probably a no. Even though they have everything else going for them. They want to be someone, you want, you want to be with someone who you can trust. You can trust their decision-making. You can trust that they have a heart for God. You can trust that they're looking out for your best interests because that frees you up to then look out for theirs as well. And so we want to be people who are living with purpose all throughout our life. We're looking ultimately for God's purpose in our life. And then in every step that we're taking, we want to be intentional about what we're doing. And so that means that we take dating intentionally as well. Being dateable means that we live with purpose. And then lastly, being dateable means that, that we're people who are grounded in Jesus. We want to be grounded in Jesus. In John fourteen six, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is where the fullness of life is found. If you live expecting to be fulfilled by other people, you will always be let down. Whether you see fulfillment in finding the the acceptance of your parents and winning their approval, or whether you see fulfillment as winning the popularity of the crowd at large, or whether you see fulfillment as getting affection from a significant other, if you put your hope for your ultimate meaning and value in other human beings, they are going to let you down. And you're setting yourself up To be hurt. And so if you see dating, if you're not dating right now and you see it as the way that's gonna fix what's wrong in your life, it's not gonna do that. It might feel good for a while, but ultimately you're getting in a relationship with another imperfect person, and all it's gonna do is pull out your imperfections and make them really clear. The last eight and a half years of marriage have shown me so many ways that I suck. Uh that's just the truth. That's what being in a relationship does. It's not going to be the source of ultimate fulfillment for you. If you're in a relationship with someone and you put your hope for fulfillment in them, you are unfairly putting a weight on their shoulders that they cannot carry. And they will either get fed up with it and break up with you or give up on the relationship or find other ways to find fulfillment for themselves to hopefully hold up that weight. Or they will try to do it and they'll let you down and you'll realize that they're not enough. Our culture has sold us this story that romantic love is the be-all, end-all of life. That if you want to live the good life, you need to find your prince charming or you need to find your princess and you need to, you need to get married. And it's something, that's not just since the 60s, it's not just since the 40s. It's the last couple hundred years of romanticism has caused us to think of romantic love as like the highest form of goodness in the world. But it's not. It doesn't last that way. It doesn't work that way. All you have to do is look at statistics of how, how well romantic relationships work out. It's not the key to happiness. The key to life, the source of fulfillment, is Jesus Christ. And when we find in Him our value and our meaning, that's when He fills us up enough to take care of other people in our life. To actually move towards a dating relationship with wisdom, to be on a, a stable foundation, to be sure-footed, and to not have our lives rocked when a dating relationship falls apart or when someone isn't as perfect as we thought they were. Instead, instead of being built on the goodness of that relationship, we are built on the goodness of our loving Savior. Being dateable means that we're people who find fulfillment in Jesus. As the band comes up, I just want to take a moment and uh, and just pray together a little bit. And so if you guys would bow your heads and close your eyes as we go before our Heavenly Father. Uh, I want to take a moment and just even recognize that some of us in this room, that maybe you're, you're realizing that in one or all of these areas, you fall short. I just want to let you know you, you're in good company because that's, the rest of us too, These are our four areas where to to perfectly achieve all of these four areas is probably impossible. And all four of these, we could all probably grow. We could all be better communicators. We could all have our hearts transformed to care more about people and see people the way that they are and to really pursue God's vision of purity instead of just carry a, a heavy weight with us. We could all seek God's purpose more and be more intentionality, or be more intentional in our circumstances and we could all be more grounded in Jesus. And so I want to encourage you that, that during this next song, take some time to, to open up your heart to where it is that God wants to grow you in this. Where is it that he's calling you to, to submit how it is that you've been doing things and where he wants to meet you to draw out something more from you. Where he wants to show you what it is that he has written on your heart. How he wants to actualize the righteousness that he has already given you in his son. How does he want to meet you? How does he want to apply his grace? How does he want to fill you with his spirit and his presence? How does he want to transform you? And let him in to do that. Father, I I pray for all of us in this room, myself included, who in these four areas see our own inadequacy, who see our brokenness, who see the ways that we've hurt others and have hurt ourselves and probably if we're honest and stop and think about it, have probably damaged our relationship with you as well as we've gone to seek our own way of doing things instead of doing life and relationships your way. So God, today for myself and for each of us here, God, I just wanna, I just wanna say, Lord, that we we repent. We wanna walk away from our old way of doing things. We wanna drop the old habits. We want to shed the old life. God, we wanna be people who surrender to you and to your way of doing things. And God, we recognize we don't have the power to change ourselves. And so I ask Jesus that you would come and that you would fill us with your presence. And Holy Spirit, that you would change us from the inside out. That you would help us to see life the way that you see it, to see people that way, to see ourselves with the identity that you've already proclaimed over us. I pray, God, that you would help us to be like you, to reflect you in this world to be people filled with your love, surrendered to your vision for our lives. And in that, would we find ourselves to be people who are dateable, to be people who bring your kingdom and your light and your purpose into this world, whether in partnership with someone else or in partnership with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you guys stand and sing this last song?